Mai. Good morning. This is Judith Lay welcoming you to Manx Radio and to the podcast of this week's edition of At Your Service. Manx Radio. In churches and in public places and in private amongst the royal family, the first anniversary of the death of a remarkable monarch will be marked. However it's done, the 70 years of selfless commitment to duty, supported by a strong Christian faith, shown by the late Queen Elizabeth II, I think remains an example to inspire us all. I vow to thee my country. Music there from award-winning Wallingford Parish Church Choir. A 
And now it's time to welcome more guests to the programme. And once again, these are visitors. We've got a fascinating strand to investigate with my guests this morning. The, the strand stretches from Bangladesh, it takes in the Isle of Man, and it ends up in the United States in, in Illinois. It's going to be a great conversation with Jay and Jackie Johnson. That's how they're known in the States. But here on the island, I'm going to tell you that she's Jackie Corlett. So she's a Manx girl through and through, wherever she might be now. She's a Manx girl. Jay and Jackie, good morning and welcome. Jackie, let's talk to you first. Let's explore those Manx roots. Tell mm-hmm. me about early days. About Jackie Corlett. Well, I'm the daughter of Neil and Sandra Corlett. Neil Corlett of the Cronk up in Andreas. My cousins, Stephen and Christopher Martin, are still on their farm at the Smale. And yeah, we left the island when we were quite small, my brother and I, David. And we were raised mostly in Liverpool, but we would come with our growing family, both my next brother, Alan, and my youngest sister, Helen, ultimately. Every summer, we would be back here on the island, camping with Stephen and Chris at Smale or with our good friends, the Cleggs from Balavaran. We would be in one of their fields as well. Well, I did all my schooling in Liverpool, but I actually started to study textile design at uh, Middlesex University in London. And from there, when I graduated, an opportunity had come to be involved in work in Bangladesh. Now, that came to me because whilst I was at art college is when I became a Christian. And that was when I, at that point, had a bit of a, oh, no, what do I do now moment? Because I just remember thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm a Christian now. I can't be a designer anymore. I've got to be a nurse or a teacher or something really good. But thankfully, there were other strong Christians around me at the time. And they said, Jackie, these are the skills God's given you. These are what he'll use. Chill. So I did. Can I just go back to you became a Christian at art college? What always interests me is how people become Christians. Was it somebody that you met? How did it happen, Jackie? Mm, Yes, it's a great question. I already had an understanding that there was a truth. I was raised in a family that wasn't particularly church going except for occasional times. You know, mum and dad ensured that we would go to a Sunday school now and then and, and all that good stuff. But it had never really settled in. When I was at art college was when I really began to seek. And I'd met some people that I just remember talking with one in particular and thinking, hang on a minute, when he speaks, he's kind of finding a way through all the issues that were being presented. You know, at university, you just sit around at night over a beer and put the world to rights, right? But he was able to speak into these different issues. And I thought, I've got to know why he thinks like he thinks. And it turned out that he, in fact, was the son of missionaries, missionaries to Bangladesh, bizarrely enough. But he was going through his own crisis of had he just been brainwashed all his life? And was this really the truth? And he said to me, Jackie, all the questions you're asking me, I know the answers to. I just don't know if they're the answers. And he said, if they are, you'll find them in this. And he gave me a New Testament to read. And so that was the point I started reading And then I came to this point in Matthew where Jesus says, unless you give up your mother and your brothers, you can't be my disciple. And I was rocked. I was completely rocked because 
you know, I mean, we're here on the island now because our family is so close. And I thought, this is the truth. What am I supposed to do now? Do I have to give up? And I wrestled for for about three days and I have just these st- tear splattered pages in my journal because of that. I, I still don't know if it was just sheer exhaustion or what, but I distinctly remember the moment sitting on, on my bed in my dorm room and just recognizing that there was just this space there where I thought, Lord, this is the truth. You are the truth. And I don't know what's next, but I know that you're the truth. This is the point that I either accept that truth and know for the rest of my life that I've given up everything else, or at this point, I deny that you're the truth and live the rest of my life with my family and everything else that I know. And as I say, I don't know, was it just, (laughs) I don't know what, but at that moment, I just felt such a deep sense of peace and of, of love as I just really feel Jesus presenced himself with me in that moment. And it was in that instant that I just was filled with a deeper love for my family than I had ever known before. And it was, it was profound and because I was so different and it was, it really was a very, very, very pivotal moment in my life. The most important decision I ever made that I knew he was the truth. Once you yield yourself to the truth of who the Lord Jesus is and accept the forgiveness that he's died for our sin and just cleansed all of that, the Holy Spirit is with you. And, you know, God created us. He has the plan and purpose for our lives. And when we begin that relationship together with him, it becomes a discovery. It's an adventure together. And you know that you can trust your guide because it's what he's prepared you for. And yeah, I mean, just keeping in his word, keeping in in the Bible, keeping close in prayer. These are the things that that just provide the navigational tools, if you like, through life that um, have grounded me massively in so many different scenarios. I think that's one of the really important lessons I've learned from Jesus teaching about when he sends out the disciples and says, you know, tell people that the kingdom is near, as well as perhaps being Um, speaking of chronologically, it's also speaking of proximity, near. The disciples are near. They're bringing the kingdom near. And each one of us does that when we come into the presence of people in everyday situations. We have to be attentive to the fact that we are bringing the kingdom near. And you know, I mean, that's not to say I haven't made some huge blunders and mistakes and choices along the way. I've, I've really messed up at times. But um, it's just having that path, knowing that Jesus is there to pick us up again. That's why he died. That's why he gave everything for us and proved it by his resurrection, that he's there with us, having dealt with it all. And we have the freedom to step into that, into that hope and to move forward in it.
Jackie, a wonderful, powerful story there. Now, let's go to 1989, to Bangladesh. Yes, so Tear Fund was the organisation I went out with originally. They contacted me and said, are you still interested in being a designer in a country that needs your help? And yeah, I, I went to the interview, showed my folio and ended up being on a plane to Bangladesh in April of 1989. You know, it didn't take long starting to go into such a different culture that things that I had taken as my norm were rocked very quickly. I know that God is the same wherever we are. And yet I was seeing in Bangladesh such levels of poverty. And I ultimately came through that just recognizing that in Scripture, what we see is there is hope. There is hope. There is always hope. As a textile designer, what did Tear Fund want you to do, Jackie? The weavers in Bangladesh have a fabulous skill already. It wasn't anything to do with the quality of, of weaving necessarily. But in terms of improving the productivity of the weavers, I was there to be able to give them designs that would sell better for them in export markets. And so together we worked out fabrics that really were going to to benefit them and their families because I was working with an agency that was a fair trade agency. So that meant when I saw these designs being cracked out on the looms, people were being paid proper wages, their families were in good conditions, they, they weren't going to money lenders, the kids were healthy, all kinds of good stuff was happening. And so when I saw that and compared it with doing work that was appreciated in London. Mm, Yeah, no competition, really. So how quickly did you find yourself settling into a very, very different culture? It was really a challenge, and that's where I made a lot of my mistakes. It was quite hard. I learned the language pretty quickly, which was fabulous. I, I love the language, Bengali. But yeah, I found out that being a European Christian single woman in an Asian Muslim male-dominated, marriage-orientated culture, I wasn't fitting very well. <laughs> and so it uh, it did. It took me a lot of spiritually scraped knees and lots of bumps and bruises to to get to a point where, yeah, I know this is absolutely where God wants me to be. Jackie is married to an American, Jay, and they live in Royal, a small town in east-central Illinois believed to have the best soil on the planet. It's 20 feet deep and, unsurprisingly, farming is the main occupation there. Well, Jay may not be Manx himself, but, as you'll hear, he certainly understands the importance of Manx heritage. I was 50 years old when I met her. I'd never been married before. I had many opportunities before, but I thought, when I saw Jackie, some of the things that she's, the way she spoke, um, not just the passion... But I loved the way she thought. 
And I, I, this is a phrase that I don't think I'd ever heard it much before I met Jackie. But the phrase was, and it turns out it came from England. It says, you don't select your wife with your eye. You choose your wife with your ear. And the things she said really resonated with me. I was very, I was very touched. I was profoundly influenced by what she said. Not just, just about her thoughts, because one thing that she did say, we need to think we need to be thinkers. And she was always discussing with me about the thought process. And I just loved the way that she put those thoughts out there. It was as though it was uh, poetry spoken, and I it just resonated very well with me. And I didn't see her. I met her for just a few days, probably only, what, two days? Two days. Two days. I met her for two days in, in Bangladesh. But I talked with her and communicated with uh, over email and telephone for the next uh, several months. And to hear her voice, to hear her thought process, that really was the thing that convinced me. You were married in Kirkandrius. You were married here in in the Isle of Man. (laughs) Jay, was that your first visit to the island then? Yes, it was. Actually, um, I plan, I'm going to ask Jackie if she would marry me. Before I did that, I called up her father and asked permission. And I said... um, I'd kind of like to get married in, you know, on the island. And he says, why would you want to do that? I said, well, I said, that's where Jackie was born. That's where her forebears were, were raised. And that's where you came from. And I think it would be very touching and very, uh, I think it would, it would recognize the, the influence that your family has had on her. And I'd, I'd like to do that. He said, why don't you just save your money and get married down in London? I said, the point is, that's the place because that's that's where your roots are, where Jackie's roots are. That's where I'd like to get married. And he said, well, well then, yeah, that sounds okay. Go ahead, Laddie. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, am I right in saying that you are a Lutheran pastor? Oh, that is correct. I went overseas as a missionary. I went over to uh, South America and South Africa. I worked there, and I, and I felt really it was important at some stage, not just to continue work overseas, but to go back to America to help the church at home grow, which is why when Jackie and I were in Bangladesh, it was in 2005, Jackie, we talked about, I think maybe it'd be time to go back to the States because I think the churches need help there. And she agreed, so it was in 2008 that we went back to the States. That's when I uh, received a call there and was able to get a church. We've been there since 2009. I would have thought that small community, under 300 people, that the church is enormously important in the community in all kinds of support and outreach ways. Oh, it is. Uh, The town has got 280 people. But when I arrived there, the average attendance at the weekly services was over 200. So we had huge numbers, but over obviously over the course of the last several years, everything across the U.S. uh, as far as church attendance is just, it's, uh, it's dropped off drastically. But it's not just the Lutheran Church, it's every church across America. I particularly appreciate working with younger people. I do a lot of stuff with uh, grade school, high school kids. That really is, I think that's really the perfect place to be for the church to go anywhere in the world. And so that's that's why we're back in, in that town. C.S. Lewis has a fabulous quote. I might butcher it as a quote, but the meaning is... People say we have a spirit. We don't. We don't have a spirit. We are spirit and we have a body. And 
I think when we can actually recognize that, the truth of that, that we are first and foremost spiritual beings and actually begin to open up our senses to that, I know that the Holy Spirit is drawing people. And so when we are able to just open up even a little bit to that level of understanding and discernment in the Spirit, it becomes much more fluid to be able to engage in conversations with people because you're listening with your spirit as to where people are at. I mean, I'm not saying that's easy, that it's done in a, in a moment. It's at a different level that we're engaging. But I think it's also important for us to recognize as followers of Jesus and really owning our relationship with God that on a Sunday morning, whenever it is that one would traditionally go to church it's it's not us who are going to do something to praise God or whatever it is in all of those moments that's God's house and he is inviting us into his house at that moment and are we going to respond are we going to go? Because he has at that moment something for each one of us that he wants to share with us. And are we going to not go for whatever reason? There's something that happens when the family of believers comes together to be with their father who's inviting them into that space that won't happen in any other place. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's very important for us to recognize the, the valuable part of our weekly rhythm that coming into our Father's house actually does give to us. And it's, um, yeah, I think it, it's fuel for a lot of reflection. Actually, what's happening in that moment when we go to church, we're actually being invited to church. We all just want to be seen. We want to be seen. Everybody wants to be seen, not, you know, on some big stage or something, but just to know that their presence in the world matters and that when we are seen and when we are the ones who see others, that is the mark of God upon us. He is El Roy, the one who sees me. Thank you to my guests this morning, Jay and Jackie Johnson. And now it's notice board time. And tonight the Mariners Choir are in St John's Methodist Church for a service starting at the usual time of half past six, when the Reverend Joanna Smart will be the preacher. There'll be musical items from the four basses and the organist is Eric Kelly. 
There'll be refreshments and community singing after the service and a warm welcome for everyone. On Tuesday the 12th, there's a coffee morning in Port Erin Methodist Church and the kettle goes on at 10 o'clock. On Wednesday evening, the Londu Male Voice Choir, conducted by Jenny Garrett, will be in concert in St Thomas's Church, just off the promenade here in Douglas. The concert starts at quarter to eight, admission and light refreshments are free, and there's a chance to give to a retiring collection as you leave. And don't forget, there's a coffee and chat in St Thomas's every Friday morning from half past ten. On Thursday evening, there's another summer concert in St Catherine's Church in Port Erin, starting at a quarter to eight, with refreshments in the church hall afterwards. And the music this week is provided by the popular choir Sheen and Millish. And whilst admission is free, a little donation to the collection as you leave would be greatly appreciated. On Friday, the 15th of September, St Peter's Church in Onken have a film night. It starts in the parish church at 7 o'clock with a fish and chip supper. And the tickets are £12.50 and you can reserve your tickets by texting or phoning Tricia on 472-731. 472-731. Christchurch in Laxey invite you to visit their flower festival later this week. The church will be open each day from the 15th to the 17th of September between 10am and 4pm for you to enjoy the displays and there'll be refreshments available too. Free admission, but donations would be welcome. Thank you to the Isle of Man Interfaith Society for details of an event on Saturday the 16th at the Christian Science Church on the corner of Woodbourne and Hillary Roads here in Douglas. They're asking the question, how would you like to build a neighbourhood? And there'll be an open discussion following the showing of a documentary film called An Expansive Project. And there'll be refreshments too. Everyone's welcome, there's no charge, and it starts next Saturday evening, the 16th, at half past six. Next Sunday, the 17th, the Mariners will be in Kirkmichael Methodist Church and the preacher will be Reverend Brian Yardy. Usual starting time of half past six. Also next Sunday, the 17th, it's Harvest Thanksgiving in St Adamnan's Lonnan Old Church. The service will be at three o'clock next Sunday afternoon, led by the very Reverend John Mann with soloist Jane Corkill and organist Gareth Moore. And that's all that we have time for now, but I'll be back later in our virtual lounge tonight at nine o'clock with a mix of easy listening music, your requests and dedications, and I'd love you to join me if you can. So, till whenever we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for listening and I wish you and those you love a blessed and peaceful week and a very good morning. Mm -hmm.